everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast, where we chat everything and anything related to the world of music and occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated. My name is Scott Kelly. I am a drummer turned comedy singer-songwriter and apparently now a podcaster. You're going to hear me chat to many different people, but more often than not, it will be fellow musicians having conversations about their careers and lives within, arguably, the greatest art form in the world. And you get this for free each and every week on scottkiwi.com, on Stitcher Radio, and now on iTunes. So please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, let them know what's going on over here. But for now, enjoy the show. Guest this week in the podcast, Thomas Lang, legendary drummer, in many people's eyes, the greatest drummer walking the face of this earth. I'm joined right now, Ross McAndrew is with me from All She Knows. Again. Again. <laughs> is it to the point now where you've overstayed your welcome? I think it possibly is. Um, but you've not yet said the word to leave. I've got my sleeping bag in the corner. I'm ready to stay here for as long as it takes, Scott. We're really struggling for a co-host. <laughs> <laughs> it's just been... Ron, it's been hard, isn't it? Ron, our producer, is yeah. here. Um, it's been... Yeah, just ever since Barry went off the rails. You know. Barry has been off the rails. I, I wonder when his name was going to come up. That's Ross kind of bringing up... Ron is kind of bringing up the ex-girlfriend. Um, I, I, I feel... I feel like you shouldn't talk about him. Because it makes me feel insecure. <laughs> How can that possibly happen? Because it's not as if it's big shoes to fill, but you're <laughs> filling them nonetheless. Barry, we love you. And we miss you. I'm just reading this from the bit of paper here that Ron, Ron suggested a readout. Um, note of sincerity to Barry. Is we haven't addressed the fact that Barry's not been with us. Barry will be back at some stage when we eventually... Um, I don't know, when we go on the decline again and we're really, really struggling <laughs> when Ross can't make it, then we might have to, you know, go crawling back to Barry at some stage. But nonetheless, we're here with Ross today. Now, Ross, this week, Thomas lying on the podcast. What's your thoughts? He's an absolutely amazing drummer. Uh, I would love to play with him, even though I probably won't. <laughs> but I've, I would like to set it in my goals. He would be in my dream band if I was, if I was making up my band, obviously including myself. Uh, he would be my drummer. Shows you the kind of ego that Ross has got in his dream band. The first member is him. Yeah, you know? of course. Yeah. Ross is a bass player, of course, so there's nobody better, really, when you're playing the bass, for somebody to be solid as a rock behind you, such as Thomas Lang. Definitely, yeah. Um, like, obviously, in All She Knows, our drummer, Adam, is such a big fan of Thomas Lang, and it can really come across in his playing. Uh, so it's always good to have someone who's really solid behind it. Like, um, Adam went to go and see... Thomas Lang's drum clinic when he was across in Glasgow and um, for the next about two weeks after that all he could do was just try and do all these fancy lovely fills that a million drummers try and only Thomas Lang can do them we all fail miserably <laughs> you can always tell when people are trying to play all the Thomas Lang stick tricks yeah. fills drum beats and we all fail miserably yeah um, he's so unique in the fact that I think he will be classed without question as one of the all time greats and I, I dare say it, it's an absolute thrill to have him on the podcast definitely yeah you can tell his influences as well with the traditional grip it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's a big fan of Stuart Copeland oh um, but he's really he's taking things to a whole new level I mean Ron what are your thoughts he's just you know I'm the same as Ross I'd love to be able to play with him one day um, you know, the most I could ever probably come near is 
probably you, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but that's, it just shows you how. Well, you're far away. Yeah. It just goes to show it's your pl- your planets apart. Then, eh? Um, no, it goes without saying. I mean, he really, really is taking things on a, a whole new level and setting the bar to, to a standard that's just just so high. I can remember my friend Ian Henry who's a drummer and I hope he's listening. I'm sure he listened to this podcast. Hi, Ian. Hope you're well. His dad said to me, he said, you need to check out the Thomas Lang DVD. This is his first DVD a few years back. And he says, I promise you, you will watch this and this guy's so good that you'll laugh. <laughs> right? And he's totally right because he's played, it's to the point where he's just genuinely so ridiculously good in the drums mm-hmm. that it's laughable. Because yeah. you've never seen anybody perform to such a high standard, and the certain things that he's doing is Thomas Lang. You can tell the different influences, and as he has stated in the past, he steals from different drummers. Yeah. But he's got his own unique style, mm-hmm. Ross. Like he's just an absolutely rock solid guy. I wouldn't actually be surprised if you look inside the back of his head and there's just a motherboard. He has got that Terminator yeah. look yeah. about him, hasn't <laughs> he? Kind he? of was, yeah. Expect to see a little red glowing eye at some point, but uh, but yeah, he's he's just that good. Um, it's very very rare that you see someone who's just so at home with their own instrument that they could play for hours and you'd never hear the same thing twice just because he's just so on the ball and he knows everything so well that he can just play and it it makes the drum sound like an actual musical instrument which Mm -hmm. is uh, might sound like a bit of a dig no no, I know what you're saying because it's very very tuneful Mm-hmm. And you can tell it's it's very melodic. Yeah. Like Buddy Rich, it was very it was very tuneful and very melodic when he did his solos. Yeah. Because he soloed like a, a I don't want to say a xylophone player, but there's a structure of it that's very melodic, mm-hmm. similar to, to Buddy Rich. More, more like a pitched instrument. Yeah, because yeah. when he went to the cymbals he was getting high end, of course, mm-hmm. and when he was he just structured it differently and the thinking was differently, um, from a dare I say a standard drum solo. Yeah. And there's many other drummers that don't fit in that category. Mm-hmm. Thomas Lang definitely does. Yeah. As far as the way that he the structures his solos, just his whole playing. There's a thought behind everything. Yeah. You know? I mean you do get a lot of drummers that uh, have to be fair, do have excellent technique, but they're all and they just hit as many circle things as they can within the allotted time. But um, like as you're as you're saying, just everything he does is just so musical, and there's thought that goes into absolutely everything. I know what you're saying. It's like they've learned a new trick, and they're just yeah, looking yeah. <laughs> for a place to find that within the song. Yeah. They bought a double pedal. They're in a wedding band. They're playing Wonderful Tonight by Eric Clapton. There's got to be a place for that double pedal. Do you know what I mean? Aye, nice and out of time as well. Yeah, you know? of course, yeah, of course. It's got to be that way. <laughs> Dotted. <laughs> Dotted. <laughs> Brilliant. We're mentioning all these musical terms. Half of the people that listen to this have now switched yeah, off. Most you know? people don't care, but that's... Yes, that's no, okay. no, no, no. As soon as we get a drummer on, a lot of people just give it, that's not a proper instrument. But let me yeah. tell you this. As soon as you see Thomas Lang, he does change that opinion. Yeah. Definitely, you know. definitely. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas Lang, it's going to be a good one. Okay, I am back on the Talk Music Podcast with Mr. Thomas Lang. How are you, Thomas? I'm good. Hey, Scott, how you doing? I'm all right, yeah. Now, you were actually, you were with us in Scotland two or three weeks back, I do believe. How was that experience? That is true. It was a great experience. I love going to Scotland. Um... I always have a great time there. I used to play there many, many, uh, I played there many times and used to go there frequently when I still lived in the UK. And uh, yeah, I love going back. I had a great time. We did a clinic. I was on tour with Mike Dolbear. He organized a clinic tour for me. And um, we did a show in Glasgow. It was fantastic. Great turnout, great people. 
all good times. Yeah, and I do believe the well the, the, the Glasgow date was run by the guys from Rhythm Base, Paul, who runs that store. So big shout exactly. out to, big shout out to Paul and hopefully he'll give me some free stuff the next time I'm in the shop. I hope you're listening, exactly. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Milk it. Absolutely. Now tell us about the band Stork. I was watching a couple of the videos earlier. When did this band start? How did it all come about, Thomas? Well, the band started in 2006. Um, Shane Gibson, the guitar player, um, he approached me in 2000, early at NAM 2006, January 2006, with one of his demos. And, um, and I was absolutely floored when I listened to the demo in the car on, my, on the way back um, home from the show. I was, um, I was really, really, you know, amazed. Uh, by his playing, his talent, his writing, um, even his drum programming on that demo was absolutely out of this world. So I basically, you know, I called him up the next day and I said, yeah, I'd love to work with you. And we started Stork. Um, Stork, Mr. Stork was Shane's nickname in uh, at the, uh, the college in Berkeley. Um, and, um, and we decided that was a good band name, so we just called the band Stork. And uh, we did an album uh, about a year and a half after we met. We started writing together immediately and uh, changing some of the tunes that he'd written before and, and you know, rearranging some of my tunes. Made an album that was our debut album. as an instrumental album with um, Eloy Palacios on bass, Shane Gibson on guitar, and myself. Um, and it was sort of a... It, it, it was real gent, that record, like math, metal, very sort of complicated, um, shreddy metal music, all instrumental uh, in the world and vein of uh, animals as leaders, periphery and that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, and we then went out and played, toured a little bit. Um, we went to J Japan a few times, played here, you know, in the States. And um, and then decided, and then Shane was very busy with Corn. He was also the, the touring guitar player of Corn, and Jonathan Davis's solo project. And um, and of course, I'm busy doing other things as well. So we had a bit of a break for maybe a year and a half after we worked the first album, and then about a year and a half ago again, uh, we decided to make a new record, and we changed direction a little bit and uh, got a singer involved. Uh, VK Lin is her name, and changed the bass player, uh, who on the record is um, Kelly Lemieux from uh, Buck Cherry. He plays with Buck Cherry. I worked with Kelly with Paul Gilbert, and um, and Kelly's also uh, the bass player in Goldfinger. He's been with Goldfinger for, I believe, 18 years or something like that. Um, and he's on the album. And, um, and with the new vocalist, with VK, it turned out to be a really great idea to add vocals to our madness. And uh, and we released a new album uh, about two weeks ago. Excellent, good stuff, and I look forward to checking that out, Thomas. Yes, now, let's send you one. Absolutely. Now we mentioned earlier you do a lot of clinics as well. What do you prefer, Thomas? Do you prefer being on stage with the band? Do you prefer being out there on your own with the kit? Do you like a bit of both? What's your thoughts? You know what? I I like both. I of course my my focus is always music writing music playing music playing with other musicians and and collaborating I, I enjoy very much sort of the social aspect of working with other mus musicians uh, and that's why i started to be in a band and to play with bands 
And I do it all the time, not just my own bands, but I work as a sideman, obviously, with many different artists all over the world. So playing with a band, yes, that, that would be my, my sort of first choice always. But I do very much enjoy playing clinics and teaching um, and doing camps, things like that, because, um, well, simply from an egotistical drumming point of view, when you do a, sh- a solo show or a solo performance or, a, you know, a, a drum solo or a clinic or, you know, then, you know, you call the shots, you do whatever you like creatively. That's very fulfilling. Uh, technically, it's, a, it's fulfilling and a great challenge. I like that aspect of it. And also, you can you're a little more independent in terms of logistics and and uh, and organization scheduling, etc. So that's a good thing. But overall, of course, my preferred choice is to play with a band always. Excellent. It's interesting that you mentioned the word challenge there in relation to the clinics. Now, I think to myself a lot of the time that people are paying money to come and see you. You've got such a big reputation for being a great drummer and quite rightly so. But do you find it intimidating at the same time as well, Thomas, occasionally, given that there's such a, a, I suppose, a big expectation? Or do you thrive on that challenge generally? Um, That's a good question. Um, I... Yeah, I, I think I thrive um, under a pressure. You know, I I find that very inspiring. And I don't know whether it's actually pressure or intimidating. For me, it's not intimidating. Um, I find, I look at it as, uh, you know, this, the audience comes to see a great performance and to see a great show uh, in a clinic sort of context. It's not just the entertainment sort of aspect that it's important, but also the educational and the inspirational aspect. And that for me is very important. I, it is a challenge sometimes, but uh, one that I enjoy very much because I like, I like um, to inspire. I like to inform. I like to, to share, you know, as, as cheesy as that sounds. Um, But I'm, 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 you know, genuinely, you know, happy to go out there and answer questions and and demonstrate things, break things down, and hopefully, you know, inspire the drummers in the audience to to practice something new, to maybe look at something they're doing in a different way, or add something to their repertoire, or try new things, or expand sort of their drumming horizon a little bit, or learn simply walk home with you know some new information and hopefully a lot of inspiration uh, to carry on practicing to 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 strive to grow and learn and develop themselves. Uh, that is truly, you know, for me, the, my focus. And, and because I show up with that sort of in mind, you know, with, with sharing in mind and with, with showing in mind, um, it's not really uh, intimidating at all. You know, I'm just very happy to be there. And I feel very lucky that I'm sort of allowed to do this. And, uh, and I'm there to, to serve whatever the audience wants to hear and see. And I will give it, you know, my all, not only to, to hopefully please the audience, but also because, you know, I like to push myself. I like to experiment and explore when I'm doing these things. And, um, and it's a great way for me to practice. It's a great way for me to sort of creatively expand in a solo sort of situation. And uh, at the same time, when an audience can sort of, be there and watch and go on the journey with me. It's a really wonderful thing and great experience for me to share that. What drummers influenced and continue to influence your style, Thomas, when you started out and even to this day? 
Well, when I started out, the drummers that influenced me the most were um, Buddy Rich and Ringo Starr equally in the very first and early days of my playing. Um, they basically played the same drum set, uh, the same kind of setup, you know, but they couldn't have been uh, any, more, any more different as players. And in their approach, you know, Buddy being the super technical sort of band leader, flamboyant star drummer sort of guy. And Ringo being the very humble and sort of song serving uh, band member, you know, who is a little bit goofy, very simple playing, but very musical playing. So for me, it was literally that panorama, that bandwidth that inspired me that you could do this one very extreme thing on the drums as Buddy did and lead, be a leader and be a virtuoso. And on the other hand of the spectrum, on the other side, you have this very sort of simple, very musical, song-friendly approach to playing. Um, and that inspired me very much, sort of the bandwidth of what the drums could do. Um, and then after Ringo and, and uh, Buddy, a huge inspiration were all the great rock drummers of the 70s and, and 80s. Anybody from, you know, Ian Pace to, you know, Cozy Powell, Bonham, of course, um, Phil Rudd, um, and then on to more sort of jazz rock uh, and fusion drummers like Billy Cobham, Lenny White, um, um, uh, Stuart Copeland, of course, was a huge inspiration. Then I went on to the more complex sort of drummers, uh, all Frank Zappa's drummers, you know, from Ansley Dunbar to Jesse Thompson, of course, Vinnie. Uh, Kaliuta, Terry Bozio, um, Chad Wackerman. Um, and then I followed all these amazing drummers in their own sort of careers and any, and I, you know, bought everything that Vinnie ever played on or that Terry played on. And, and then I accumulated from many different styles of music. Huge inspiration was uh, Tony Williams, for example. Uh, of course, Wickle, when he first hit the scene, uh, Erskine, you know, Simon Phillips, uh, all the great players, you know, Jeff Boccaro, um, so I basically took whatever I wanted and stole a little bit from everybody and tried to mash it up in my own sort of style. And, and I still have a very eclectic taste in music. And I still look at drummers from all sorts of different genres for inspiration, um, not only from the past, but also, of course, in the present, you know, and people who inspire me today, for example, are is you know people who are just creative who who play something that I haven't heard before, not just people who are you know technically great. Uh, you know I have a lot of uh, drummers that I find inspiring uh, who are who don't play technically at all. You know like Meg White from the White Stripes. You know I I think some of her stuff it's so simple and so boiled down to its essence uh, that it's really beautiful and inspiring. You know to simplify your playing. Um, and it's you know high impact if it's ultra simple. And then of course there are you know great friends and colleagues of mine like you know Virgil and Mangini and Miniman and all those guys who I find great and inspiring, as well as a lot of you know young players um, like Matt Garska, for example, from Animals as Leaders, who's I think a great drummer, or Gergo Borlai, uh, Hungarian drummer who's fantastic. So um, you know I get inspired by drummers from of all ages all styles and all eras still uh, today you know I, I i go out there and i search and i look and uh, i i find something new and exciting every day i am absolutely delighted that you mentioned ringo star now give us a couple of tracks a couple of beatles tracks that you like that you, you're a fan of the drumming on thomas just out of interest oh i love you know i like of course you know ticket to ride for example such a great drum part 
uh, come together. A legendary, amazing drum part. It's so beautifully composed. Um, I like when he rocks out on songs like Helter Skelter. Uh, um, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Get Back. Fantastic. That kind of train, train beat. Um, or um, uh, what else do I like? Oh, Day in the Life, of course. Oh, anything on Sgt. Pepper. Uh, such great drumming. Uh, Sgt. Pepper, uh, the, the reprise towards you know, the last song of the album. I, I thought it was so cool when you hear that. So cool, you know, that counting and the drum sound on that record uh, was always huge for me. Um, and, you know, and even the very, very early stuff, you know, Twist and Shout and uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand, all those really early sort of real beat and twist kind of songs um, are beautifully played and have a great feel. It's right in there between kind of a slightly swung and straight eighth note feel. Um, and it's such great functional and song friend friendly drumming, you know, uh, and I always loved that. Can't argue with that at all, Thomas. Hang on a second there. We're just going to advertise some of our previous episodes. Previous episodes. A lot of great previous episodes for you guys to check out at scottcowie.com. Of course, we're on iTunes. We're also on Stitcher Radio. That's an app you can download on your iPhone and your your iPad, etc. So check out all these episodes. In episode one, we had Glad Matlock from Sex Pistols. Episode two, we had Hugh Morgan from The Fun Loving Criminals. Episode three, Sandy Tom. Episode four, Brian Ray from Paul McCartney's band. Episode five, Orianti. Episode 6, Bob Jacobs, who's the head spokesman of NASA. Episode 7, Dr. Phil Toll, that's Metallica's therapist. Episode 8, we had the two Grahams from Wet Wet Wet. Episode 9, Andy McKee. Episode 10, Steve Craddock from Ocean Colour Scene. Episode 11, Cliff Goldmacher, the wonder producer. Episode 12, Steve White, who drums with The Who, Oasis and Paul Weller. Episode 13, Martin Taylor, MBE. Episode 14, we just mentioned them, Stuart Copeland. Episode 15, Dweezil Zappa. Episode 16, Martin Harley. 17, we had Julian Lennon. Episode 18, Carol Kay. Episode 19, Tommy Emanuel. Khaki King joined us in episode 20. 21, John Gorm. Nick West was last week, and this week, the absolutely incredible Thomas Lang. Once again, all available at scottcowie.com. Make sure you subscribe, tell a friend, and let them know what's going on over here at scottcowie.com, because we're building up something really, really cool here, and we want everybody to be a part of it. So go and check them all out. The Thomas Lang Drumming Boot Camp. Tell us all about it, Thomas. Well, uh, my drumming boot camp is um, the. I started that in 2005, actually, even before that. But it didn't have a name, an official name uh, back then. But sort of with the invention and the uh, sort of popularity of social media. Um, people were able to just kind of follow me around online. You know, I, when I posted stuff on MySpace back in the day or on Facebook, and I said, hey, I'm in Stockholm uh, tomorrow or whatever, people would contact me and say, hey, while you're here, can I take a list with you before a sound check uh, in the afternoon or in your hotel, whatever. So um, I, it, it turned out that I, I started doing these things because I'm always up for doing something productive rather than sit in a hotel room and you know do nothing. I was very happy to teach and do lessons uh, in the daytime whenever I had time backstage or in dressing rooms or in hotel meeting rooms. 
And um, after doing this for a few months or about a year, um, word got around and I ended up sometimes with up to 10 people uh, in, an, in a hotel meeting room or somewhere backstage in a dressing room doing um, master classes and giving private lessons. Um, and it became a little chaotic, as you can imagine. So I decided to uh, organize it, advertise it and give it a name and do it properly. And that's when I started the Thomas Lang Drawing Bootcamp, which um, I initially started to basically fill holes and gaps in my schedule. You know, I'd have a, a recording session on whatever, Monday to Wednesday, and then uh, maybe a gig the next Tuesday in the same city or in another city somewhere in Europe. And rather than come back home here to LA, um, I decided to fill those gaps with camps and advertise them a few months in advance because I always knew my schedule a little bit in advance. And, um, and I decided to do an ultra-intense three, sometimes five or seven-day, but mostly three-day weekend camp when most people are available and not studying or in school or gigging or whatever, to a super-intense three-day camp where I play with students for eight hours a day. So four hours in the morning, four hours in the afternoon. Uh, and it's, it's sort of, a, you know, it is still, and it was at the time, a radically new concept. And it's been copied many times now, of course, because people jump on a good idea when they see it. But I started this as a truly interactive camp where I play and each student has a practice kit as well. Um, and they play with me. And I designed a curriculum, which is also very radical and new, specifically targeted at each student and their sort of wishes and and uh, and demands they fill out a questionnaire when they uh, when they uh, register for the camp and tell me what the top three things are that they want to work on and improving their playing and we'll i'll take care of those top three things of each student of course many sort of topics are overlapping and uh, in addition to those three things that each student wants to learn they also learn uh, by me teaching other students other top three things, you know, so it's a very unique custom-made curriculum for each camp targeted at the uh, at the campus at each camp and their personal and their individual sort of wishes and interests. Um, I keep the energy level and the intensity up very high. I, I keep everybody on their toes all the time. Um, I have designed exercises specifically for this camp to be really high impact and uh, compressed so they get the most information um, in the shortest possible amount of time. Um, and uh, it's been a fantastic success, success over the years. I've hosted, I think, uh, 15, eight of, no, this is next week, I'm going to Canada to do one, I think this is 59, so almost 60 camps all over the world you know, from Singapore to Moscow to, you know, Tokyo and Paris and Berlin and Vienna and London, New York, LA, you name it, uh, been everywhere. So it's been a really great journey. It's been great uh, to meet a lot of the young drummers and some of my fans, of course, and develop actual friendships and relationships with them. And we have an extremely high return customer sort of percentage, people who attend one camp, absolutely love it and come back for another camp to ask different things or learn something different uh, and we've had many people who've been attending camps three four or more times so it's been absolutely great and i've 
I've gotten to know a lot of my fans and they've become friends over the years, some of those students. And, uh, and that's exactly what I wanted. Because when you do a clinic, you play for a large crowd of people for a very short amount of time. In my camps, I play for a very small crowd of people, very intimate sort of um, circle of friends almost for an extremely long period of time. So you can really get information across and really um, sort of dig deep into creative concepts and techniques. And, uh, and it's been a very fulfilling and fun experiment uh, experience. You have drummed with everybody from Robbie Williams to Paul Gilbert. Who would you like to collaborate with that you haven't had the chance to yet? Thomas, what do you think? Well, um, I always wanted to play with Frank Zappa. Obviously, that's not going to happen anymore. Um, there are many, many bands out there. You know, there, I always differentiate between sort of my creative um, fulfillment and a great gig, a great job. So, you know, and at this point in my career, you know, the one or the other is not more important. I mean, it's equally important to me um, to have you know, a great gig and, and comfortable job as well as be creatively sort of satisfied. Sting, for example, would be a great one. Um, or, you know, bands like the Foo Fighters. I love the Foo Fighters. Unfortunately, they already have two drummers <laughs> in the band. Or, you know, even, uh, you know, something like... Um, you know, something very poppy. Uh, if it's kind of hip hop, like, you know, it could be Lady Gaga. It could be Metallica for me, you know. And my, and my taste, like I said, is so eclectic and, and sort of out there. Um, I like it all, you know. I'd be, I'd be excited to work with whether it's Elton John or, um, you know, uh, the, what are they called? Um what are they called? Pussycat dolls. Right. <laughs> Could be anything, you know. No, I'm really, from a creative point for you, you know, we're, like I said, there are great geeks out there that are great, comfortable sort of work and working situations. Um, like, you know, a, a, you know a, a Madonna gig or a Elton John gig, whatever it is, of course, great work. And then there's, of course, the creative satisfaction. In the creative department, you know, I do so much myself. I write so much music myself and I produce so much music and I have my own band and my own solo projects. Um, I'm pretty fulfilled creatively, you know. Uh, I'm not out there to search for isn't it sort of a perfect environment to play complicated drum beats or something like that. Um, I've, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly happy in my own world with my own projects. Um, so in order to go out with somebody for a long period of time and, and, and be on the road and away from my family and home for a long period of time, it would have to be a really comfortable, awesome, sort of fun gig with nice people. And that would always be my focus, you know, the, the chemistry with the band, the people, uh, more so than the music or anything else. That's the most important thing to me. Ideal scenario, back in the day, Frank Zappa on stage, he's got you in the drums, he's doing an encore, three songs, what would those Frank Zappa songs be that you would like to drum on? Um, keep it greasy. Yep. <laughs> um, I knew you were going to say that. Of course, it's a classic. Um, don't work for Yuda. Right. It's <laughs> a great song. Uh, and I would say I would go. Oh, dancing fool. We had we had Dweezil Zappa on the podcast. It was fascinating. It's I yeah. mean, just 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 great stuff. 
And also another person we, we managed to have on, and um, I was doing my research, and I seen that you've been at his house. Just how mad is Stuart Copeland? Oh, Stuart, he's amazing, man. He's uh, he's my new best buddy. Um, yeah, we've been hanging out a lot, actually. He's fantastic. You know, and I was such a huge fan growing up. Yeah. I was a complete, you know, an utter Stuart Copeland nut. I mean, I would draw his drum set in my school books and stuff like that. So I was like full on into him and the police, of course. I thought they were the hippest band and the coolest band around. Uh, everything about them was hip. The fact that they were just a trio. Uh, you could really hear everything in the music. It was so transparent and so much room for everybody to play and be creative. And the whole thing, the look and the songs, I just loved it all. And Stuart for me was, uh, you know, a huge inspiration. The quirkiness, the unique sort of um, sound uh, and his style, the very strange sort of traditional grip, you know, because he plays traditional the wrong way. I don't know if you know, but he doesn't use the middle end, the and the index finger on top of the sticks. He only uses the index finger on top of the sticks. Very bizarre. But, you know, the, the cranked up snare drum and the tiny, like, high-pitched hi-hat cymbals that he used and all that intricate hi-hat work, the delay on the on the side stick and the splash cymbals, the octobonds, mm-hmm. you know, those high-pitched jazzy-sounding tom-toms and that really sort of rock-sounding bass drum. What a great combination of, of sounds and style and, and the whole reggae thing mixed with his sort of Arabic roots, you know, growing up in Beirut. And that was just such an interesting thing. And he still is so left field and quirky and weird. Uh, he still, to this day, I think is completely unmatched in his, you know, quirkiness on the drums and his uniqueness. I mean, there's really, if I look around now, there's nobody like Stuart Copeland out there. There's nobody who plays with such a personality and such yeah, unique sound and approach to play. And I still find this hugely inspiring today. I think he may be left-handed as well. I, I'm Sorry, not, I, think, I think he's left-handed as well. You know, which, Could be, yes. Um, yes. Which is it's just bizarre. And I'm a big fan of Sting, of course, as well. I've never heard Sting play or sing a bum note. It's, it's, he's a machine. He's incredible. I know. It's incredible. And... His songwriting is fantastic. He's singing, of course. Um, and the way he plays bass and sings at the same time, very complex, you know, at times. Uh, and it, it makes it sound so easy and, and simple and musical. It's just a, a really wonderful thing. And, of course, also Andy Summers. You know, right. he's playing the most, like, complex, you know, jazz chords over those kind of new wave songs. And it was all a great blend of really unique approaches and, and personalities. So as a huge fan, it's been, of course, great to hang out with Stuart um, and, and just spend time with him and jam with him and record with him. And we're involved in a few different projects together because my wife also works with him. Um, and, um, and it's been just great to hang out. He's such a funny guy. He's such a nice guy and has got such a great, you know, wicked dry sense of humor and uh, he's just a pleasure to be around. Now, you're away to Canada, as you said, next week. You've got a lot of teaching on the go. What else have you got planned coming up uh, this year, Thomas? Well, I'm, I actually, day after tomorrow on Mother's Day, unfortunately, I'm going to Canada to tour with a Canadian uh, trumpet player named uh, Jens Lindemann, a very, very world-famous uh, classical trumpet player who also plays jazz. And we play a very unique blend of jazz and classical sort of arrangements uh, with Wycliffe Gordon on trombone, like literally the best trombone player in the world, absolutely incredible. Um, and 
uh, we, we play a short tour of uh, one week in, in Canada. And then I end up in Montreal doing a drumming boot camp in Montreal um, with a special guest, Emmanuel Capellet, who's a fantastic uh, Canadian uh, drummer from Montreal. And then after Montreal, I come back here to work in the studio. I've got two weeks solid here in the studio um, recording for a band called Midas Fate. Uh, we're, you know, a very f uh, successful Brazilian metal band for uh, Victor Campos, uh, who's doing a new uh, a solo uh, project. Then I'm doing uh, records for um, two guys here. Um, I have to check what the name of the bands are, but it's somewhere in my diary. But they're, they're you know, local bands here in Los Angeles um, that I'm tracking for. I'm doing I'm doing quite a bit of like online sessions here um, from you know people from all over the world. Um, then I'm do after these two weeks here in the studio. I've also got some sessions with Grooveworks, doing some uh, film scores and film trailers in those two weeks. And then I'm going to um, Turkey to work with uh, two Turkish artists and do some recording there, and also a couple of clinics in Turkey. Uh, then I come back here for my big annual uh, drum camp called the Big Drum Bonanza, which is happening here July 2nd to 6th. Right after the Bonanza, I go to Japan to a tour with a guy called uh, Isao Fujita and record an album with him with Philip Bainu on bass from Steve Vai's band and Kiyomi Otaka on keyboards and Isao Fujita guitar, fantastic band. Um, and then right after Japan, I go to Panama for the Panama Drum Fest and to Bogota for some recordings and uh, and the drum festival also. Then I go to Croatia uh, for recording and for a drum camp in Croatia. And then I go to Seoul in Korea. This is all this is all before September. So wow. And then uh, we have dates planned with my band Stork to promote the new album in Australia. I've got an Australian tour coming up then. Uh, so it's absolutely mad and hectic. There's always a lot going on. My main focus at the moment is, of course, the big drum bonanza, because that's a big deal for us here in Los Angeles. Um, I've got incredible guests this year, and um, it's literally the coolest drum camp on the planet. Excellent, you know? Thomas. Well, it's been absolutely brilliant chatting with you today, and we'll look forward to, to everything you've got coming up this year, essentially. Thank you very much. Yes, and everybody, you guys go and check out www.bigdrumbonanza.com. That's uh, that's um, this year we have Matt Garaska from Animals as Leaders, Gergo Borlai from Tribal, Tribal Take, Achilles Priester from Hangar. We have Chris Coleman, Prince Shaka Khan, Derek Roddy from Serpent's Rise, of course, and myself teaching, and special guests um, uh, Gerald Hayward. Uh, Chad Smith and a few other names that I cannot mention that may pop up. So it's going to be an awesome experience. Check it out. Ross McAndrew from All She Knows. Ross, just how jealous is Adam, your drummer, going to be when he hears you on a podcast with Thomas Lang? I think he's going to be insanely jealous. Do you I, think so? I, I don't think our friendship will survive it. This is the day that your friendship with Adam ends. <laughs> this is potentially the band breakup. Ron, what are your thoughts on that? Is that, is that a possibility? I think it's a high possibility. Yeah, you think so? <laughs> yeah. The day the friendship ends, what I really liked about that interview, and I'm thrilled to bits, and I said it to Thomas there and then, as you heard, that he mentioned Ringo Starr. Hmm. Because Ringo gets a bit of a hard time. 
He does, yeah. He's an awful underrated drummer, I feel. Um, because a lot of people are like, oh, he's... N-. Uh, I remember that, that quote from uh, one of the one of the Beatles that was, uh, oh, is Ringo Starr the best drummer in the world? He's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. A lot of people have taken that quote, John Lennon just having a laugh. Yeah. And, and just really... People taking it as fact. Taking it like just completely out of context. Well, John Lennon said yeah. that he wasn't <laughs> yeah. the best. John Lennon also said number nine, number nine, number nine, and yeah. you know all that. And he also says, "I am the walrus." Goo 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 So, if you were to take everything literally, mm-hmm. I think, I think, I do think people take it too seriously. Some things are said are nonsense, even when they're said by famous people. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Yeah. And but the fact that Thomas Lang, there's nobody on the planet that doesn't think he isn't an amazing drummer mm-hmm. and he's coming out and he's saying that he, he holds Ringo in such a high regard and it's good to hear well it's definitely good to hear and you can actually hear it in his playing because he's just absolutely solid as a rock exactly what Ringo Starr was like uh, I think it was Paul McCartney that said if you left him in a room for nine hours playing the same beat he'd be just exactly as in time as he was when he first started and you can tell that Thomas Lang's exactly the same um, so as far as listening to the podcast go you still a stitcher man? I am still a stitcher man because there's not been anything that's came out since. For anybody that doesn't know what on earth we're talking about here, <laughs> there are three different ways that you can listen to the podcast. You can go online to scottcowie.com forward slash podcast. You can listen to the podcast on iTunes or you can download the Stitcher Radio app. Now, the Stitcher app is really good, Ross. I'll it give you is that. actually really good. Um, I just like it. It just ma- it makes everything so much easier because it, you just go on. You see if you if you if you go on and and you're following quite a few different podcasts, you can see wh- who's put new stuff out, when it's coming out, and you can just listen to it straight from there. So it's it's great, you know. What I mean, and being an avid listener of this podcast, I know for a fact because you showed me it. You click on the app. And it's shown you last listen to podcast, and it's it's it, it gives you that notification. Mm-hmm. Hey, the top music podcast is out today yeah. with Thomas Lang mm-hmm. or with Tommy Emmanuel or Carol Kay yeah. or whoever Julian mm-hmm. Lennon, and you've got it right there and then. But Ron, on the other hand, still loves his podcast iTunes app. You're still a, an iTunes pod. I'm still an iTunes man. It's just you nice. need to need to get with the times, Ron. You need to get with the times. <laughs> I'm just still laid back. <laughs> the two the two apps are really good, yeah. and um, and there's there's I don't even say there's pros and cons of both. It just depends what you like better, yeah. um, because uh, I, I do think the two apps are really good. But we still have scottcarry.com We still have our vintage <laughs> lis- vintage listeners. Yeah. We call them them. There's many people that listen to the podcast, and they tell me this all the time. They just like going on the website. Mm-hmm. They get their headphones in, and they just listen to the podcast on the net, yeah. which is totally fine by me. Perfect. Yeah, so but that one picture, <laughs> that one picture that's there. But if you're like Ross, you're out and about the gym, you get the headphones on, you get the iPhone, mm-hmm. you get a Stitcher app happening. Oh, why? It's all good. You know, technology. Who would have thought? I know. We need to get to the point where we really need to go with the times. Mm-hmm. I plan in releasing all of these podcasts on cassette. Yes, we definitely should do that. And um, attach them to pigeons. And make them fly to people's houses and drop them off. That that that's how we sort out our subscribers. Uh, you send a postmarked envelope with your address on it, and then we send out carrier pigeon with your cassette. T- the vinyl. Yeah, we could. We could a pigeon with a vinyl in one foot and a cassette in the other. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Or the Stitcher app. Yeah, just, oh, just, just either or. Yeah. I, I think all these all these ideas are just pointing us to the direction as to why we listen to the podcast <laughs> on Stitcher Radio, or in iTunes, or in ScottKibby.com. Tell a friend 
Let them know what's going on over here. Give us five stars on iTunes and we will see you guys next week.